eyes riveted on her pale, stricken face. I heard the sounds of frenzied activity taking place behind my back, the angry shouts ringing down the chain of command, SWAT teams in Kevlar jackets taking position, news vans choking the streets beyond the perimeter, reporters and camera operators scrambling. Overhead, the persistent clattering of the police choppers, and just beyond, those of two rival TV news channels, the controlled chaos of a full-scale police action. Treva barely registered any of it. She drifted in and out of conscious awareness of her surroundings, including Lowry and me, perhaps even of what had just happened to her. Tell us about Bobby Marks, Lowry was saying, not unkindly. She squatted on the pavement to put her face at eye level with Treva's. I told you they shot him. They said, don't move, and he moved. And then they shot him in the head, right there, in front of me. She swallowed air, gulping it like a fish pulled from the sea. Her eyes shone, wet with grief. Treva looked with sudden curiosity at her stained fingers. He's on me, isn't he? That's Bobby, on me. Lowry leaned closer and tried again. How many men, Treva? Can you tell us? How many guns? I glanced over at Eleanor and shook my head. She sighed, rolled the kinks out of her neck, and sat back on her haunches, giving Treva some space. Moving deliberately, I sat next to Treva on the curb, shoulders touching, letting her know I was there, anchoring us in the here and now, keeping her in the present. The heat shimmered off the cracked, sun-bleached pavement. This section of Liberty Avenue was without trees, without shade. The air hung thick and unmoving as a shroud. Do you know where you are now, Treva? She stared straight ahead. Outside, on the street. Suddenly, an unmarked sedan screeched to a halt just beyond the perimeter. Two guys in jackets and ties got out. One was the assistant chief of police, scowling as he brushed past a woman reporter from WTAE-TV who'd rushed to intercept him. He waded into the throng of uniforms, barking orders, his subordinate at his heels. Lowry and I exchanged glances. Treva hadn't even reacted to the squeal of tires, the slamming of car doors, the upraised voices of the cops on the scene. Can you look at me, Treva? She nodded then turned her head. A pretty, oval face, muted makeup, smudged, etched with tears. Deep brown eyes, gone nearly black, as her consciousness kept trying to recede, to escape an unacceptable reality. Treva Williams was a smallish, slender woman of thirty or so. Under the blanket I saw her standard bank officer's pale blue skirt and jacket, collared white blouse, and appropriately tasteful pearl necklace. Only her earrings betrayed any individuality, larger than you'd expect, loops with tiny green stones dangling, a personal statement saying to the world, I'm not just some drone in a bank, a world she was drifting away from, moment by moment. Pulled as though by a powerful force into a different time and space, someplace far removed from bank holdups, men with guns, sudden violence a place where the blood and brains of a colleague didn't end up on your fingers. Are you still with me, Treva? Her, yes, was unconvincing. I kept my face composed, 
No smile, no reassuring look of empathy and concern, nothing to set off her warning bells, remind her that people were worried about her, that something bad had happened. What color is my tie? I said. Blue. What about my shirt? You're wearing one. I had to smile. Yes, I am. She stared at me, waiting, compliant. Am I wearing a jacket with my tie? I said. And don't forget to breathe now, okay? A jacket? Yes, you are. You must be hot. A long pause. Did you say something else? Yes, I said, don't forget to breathe. Okay. As if to comply with the crazy man, she took a deep breath. Eleanor leaned across then and tapped my knee, hard. We need real info, Dan, she was signaling me.